Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Into the Dust podcast, hosted by Joe Moore, presented by Belly Up Sports. Join today's episode, Andrew Benson. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from No Credentials Required to talk to you about one of our newest partners at Belly Up Sports, SeatGeek. Yeah, live sports is great on television, but the feeling of being at the arena is a priceless experience. That's why our friends at SeatGeek are there to help you find the best tickets at the best prices. Not only can you get tickets to sporting events, but you can also get tickets to concerts, comedy shows, musicals, and more. Search for your desired event now at SeatGeek.com, enter promo code BELLYUPSPORTS at checkout, and you save 20 bucks off your first purchase. SeatGeek. Life's an event. We have the tickets. So how are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. Um, I'm recovering from my, my practice role, uh, my testing of my roll cage, unfortunately. We um, found out that I do have a, a cracked rib today, so cracked rib and some bruised muscles around my abs but you know in a few weeks i'll be better and get back at and probably doing some light autocross for a little while before i get back in a rally car so you haven't been in a rally this season why why is that um mostly just uh logistics so far this year um we were doing some major upgrades to the car uh, that actually never showed up. Um, and we were planning to do Nefer and then hit Defi in Charlevoix to go back and try to get revenge on Charlevoix uh, for wrecking the car last year. Um, so the car needed some substantial rebuild after the rear end fell out. Um, so we, we kind of like put that off until about the new year and then uh, spent a lot of time rebuilding the car and getting it right. Um, so we were going after New England, and the car got put together, and it was looking pretty good, and everything was working pretty good. And then uh, I went a little too easy uh, on one of the jumps at, at testing and, and uh, got sucked into a ditch that ended in a culvert, and I flipped the car, and that was the end of that. Um, so because um, I, I was wondering what had happened to your car after the uh... – because wasn't your, I believe your last rally was with KJ Miller, who has a uh, bit of a history for ending Subarus. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> we, were, we were doing so good, too. So we just, like, we'd just come off of the longest, fastest stage of that event uh, and hit the fourth fastest time overall. Uh, we were beat by test race, like two test racing cars and a R3. Um, you know, we were flying and 
you know, we were, we were doing great. Then we get into the next stage and the rear end just kind of fell out of the car. Uh, it actually was held in by the exhaust for about a mile. Um, so we went, we went quite a ways with it, with it damaged. But, uh, once the exhaust gave up, both the rear axles popped out and it just wasn't worth abusing the car more to continue on. I, I remember that because I, I, I faintly remember it because it's one of the many events I've covered in the past year. But uh, that was also the first Canadian event I've covered. So that was – and I remember just watching that. And I was like – I was rooting for you guys to finish at least in the top five. And then I was like, you guys are tired. And I was like, what happened? Did the KJ Curse come back again in Canada this time? Yeah, we were – I mean, I was hoping to, to finish in the top ten. Uh you know, that would have been fantastic. Um, but right on the first gravel stage, uh, I think I posted this picture. Um, I was, I was hugging the, the brush line, uh, and I took a probably, mm, six inch round rock to the right rear tire, uh, and blew a hole in the barrel of the wheel. Uh, it didn't, didn't damage the tire. It didn't like crack the outside of it. It just blew a hole right through the middle of the wheel. Um, so we had to change a tire on the side of the road and we lost like three minutes doing that. Um, and from there we were just kind of, just kind of trying to set good times and, you know, maybe crawl back into the top 10. Um, and then the rear end came out. So we were, we were done from there. So if I'm not mistaken, that was your first rally in Canada. I'm just trying to remember a year. I had been racing in Canada before, and uh, I really loved it. I mean, I, I found it, it fantastic. The organization was great. Um, the stages are a ton of fun. They don't believe in chicanes, apparently, um, which is interesting. Uh, there's one straight on that, on that stage that it, I swear it's well over a mile. And you just put your foot down and you can, it's, it just go and you watch it go like 110, 111, 112. And I, I mean, I'm a six cylinder naturally aspirated car. I don't have the power that the turbos have. So, you know, I get up to about 119 and I've, I've got all my cars got. Um, and I just like waited to get the other end. Yeah, Canada. I find is really like just kind of forgotten about when it comes to rallying the grand scheme of things. Like you don't hear it talked about a whole lot, but it's, it's really fun events. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, they're, they're smaller too. I mean, they're big events, but like, I think the entry field, like 30 cars. So it's not, it's not this big thing, right? It's a much smaller event. Um, and it kind of has that feel. I mean, like the big, there are big teams there. Um, there's a lot of big teams there. Um, and you know, they're putting down good times and putting on a really good show. And I mean, after we wrecked the car, we went out and watched them all on, on the second day. Um, but I think that, you know, Canada's a great place to go. Uh, if you don't want to tow all over the country, but I mean, my biggest problem with, uh, with doing ARA events right now is that, you know, New England Forest Rally is about two hours from our house because I'm from Maine. And then STPR uh, is a nine-hour tow for me. There are between six and eight Canadian events that are a nine-hour tow. Um, so, you know, I start leaning more towards just crossing the border and racing with them because it's more convenient. 
Yeah, and that, and I think that's a lot of the thing with like regional competitors is it's just a lot of money and time and all that to get into events, and it it's sad because you like to see a lot of cars at an event, but it's like it's just not reasonable to do. And I wish they would have more events within vicinities of places like Maine because. I'm pretty sure there are good roads around Maine that could be ran for rally. It's just getting permits and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I would like to see a, a bigger rally sprint, sprint program. Um, you know, I know that they've been doing a couple uh, down at Rally Ready, but like that's hard for me to get to too. I'd have to go down there and rent a car. I'm not going. I can't tow my car to Texas. Um, so you know, I'd like to see them do do some more across the country so that these regional teams can have more events. I know like Michigan's doing great. They have several events every year, like full rallies every year that they're doing great. But like a lot of us are getting one event a year. Um, we have our rally sprint program up here uh, in the Northeast, uh, which should be firing up again soon. It's, it's the rumor I'm hearing. Um, so we'll get back at it with our sprints. But, you know, I think that, you know, the West coast needs something and, you know, everybody, everybody should have that, that intermediate step that's, you know, a little bit lower entry fee. Um, it's a slightly less deep time, but, you know, it's a good practice. And, and that's what I always view the sprint as is it's a good shakedown and it's good practice. And if you've never run in an event before, then the risks are low for messing up your time card, right? Like, oh, it was a, it's, you're, you're fighting for a $2 trophy of a picture of your competitor's car on it. So. Yeah, I know. I, I I have a feeling, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel like the ARA is kind of using um, Dave's rally sprints as kind of a test to see how they work and kind of just testing things out with them to see if it's something that could catch on in other places. Because I know Dave has a really nice place with the Rally Ride Ranch. And I don't see why, like, a team like Tim O'Neill's place couldn't do something similar. They have a really nice place there as well. Yeah, and then that's where we've always held our, our sprints as that, as that Tim O'Neill's. So they've always been super, super helpful to us regional guys, letting us, you know, use that for our sprints and um, kind of our shakedowns that way. So. And even like in on the West Coast, I know Dirtfish has a really nice property. I don't know if they, I know they have had like rallycross style stuff there, but I don't know if they would do rally sprints or what. But it's all just, there's a lot of logistics and I'm not even going to try to get into that because I know it's a lot. And I know Preston and, and the other guys do a lot of of stuff to make sure events run well and so forth but it would just be nice to see teams like yourself and other teams that don't have the money or are trying to get into the sport have a lower event fee and smaller events to kind of even just try to lure new people into the event or into rally right yeah no and i think right we we say that you know rally cross is kind of a feeder but there's a big jump from rally cross to stage rally. Um, so that's, that's where I think the sprints were doing a great job is, is letting, letting some of these smaller teams that really can't dump the thousands of dollars that it takes to run one of these events um, and let them run just, you know, 
couple hundred dollars for a one day thing and, and have some fun and get the feel of it and then be ready when they do have the time and the money to go, yeah, okay, I'm dedicating a week to doing this event and, you know, that they know how it works and I'm not going to, you know, be all confused and not have a fun time because figuring it out the first time can be a bit frustrating. So. Oh yeah. It's learning everything new again. And it, you, at times you don't realize how, like when you're on the outside of it, you don't actually realize how much time is needed to run an event and participate in an event. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had this kind of, so I, I was actually on the VIP bus uh, as a radio for this weekend. Um, and I was acting as commentator because I just like to talk and talking to them, you know, everybody sees rally as a, that A to B race. Um, and that's, that's the exciting part. <laughs> Most of the rallies are, are like some of the biggest upsets actually happen in between in the actual game that is rally, the, the, the timing between stages and the, and the getting your service right and all that. Like, like there's so much more to it. Everybody doesn't realize that it's not just the point A to point B race. It's everything else that goes along with it. Like the, the, the clock never stops. Um, and like explaining that to people, I think it opens up their eyes as to all that's going on and how complicated it is and like why having good communication between the driver and co-driver, not just on stage is important because, you know, this, all this stuff matters. Um, so. Yeah. And that's why having a good co-driver and having a consistent co-driver is kind of important. Like, I don't know how KJ can go from car to car to car and be perfectly fine. It's like, that that dude must have social skills beyond belief at this point because it's like he he jumps from different cars pretty much every event and does perfectly fine and has good chemistry with pretty much everybody. So I'm like, huh? I think I think KJ is very adaptable. Um, he'll he'll do notes in whatever way that they, whatever the driver wants and, and works with with them to get their notes the way they want. For us, it was actually I'd never written notes before, um, so uh, he was kind of helping me figure it out as we went along, which was, was great. Um, and now going forward, I definitely want to write all my own notes because I felt more confident in notes that I'd written than modifying Gemma notes that I was given. Um, so that was a, that was a good learning experience for me as well. Is that I know that I like writing notes now. I was always afraid of it. Um, you know, cause that's a big jump for people is to go from, you know, somebody gave me these and, you know, they're, they're, they're good enough. So, well, I'm going to trust my own instincts and let's see what happens. Uh, so it's a big jump and, and I'm glad I took it. And I think it's going to make us faster going forward. If, if you weren't so far away from it, I, I would so just recommend um, the Gelsomino uh, co-driving school because I, yeah. Uh, talking with Rhee when she was on the podcast two, three months ago, it yeah. I was just like, when she was talking about stuff and I so want to interview her again, because there were so many things afterwards. I was like, what the actual hell? Like she, she talked about a 10 pace, like a 10 um, number pace note system. And I was like, what? Like, oh yeah. I, and I know they exist. I mean, I, well, I, I'm, I'm so used to the one to six now though, that I, I don't think I could make that jump. But I mean, I think I saw one of the WRC guys goes to like 13 or 16 or something like that. Like, yeah, I mean, you can make up whatever you want as long as it works for you and you're consistent and you understand it. Um, you know, it's your own party. So you can make up those rules. 
Well, and that's what's that's what Lee is using this year. And I was when I heard that, I was like, "That's got to be a change for her." But it's it's working apparently. So yeah, she's she's definitely killing it. So I want watching her go by. That car is fast. I am terrified to see what she can do in a in a four wheel drive car. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm 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 excited to see her in a in an all wheel drive. Um, I think that she's been she's been collecting the skills that she needs. She's been doing it the right way, right? The the way that the right way, well, in, in air quotes. Um, you know, she did the two wheel drive, the front wheel drive, and then she's doing the rear wheel drive, right? She's she's figuring out that car balance thing, how they all respond different. Because I jump straight into an all wheel drive car, you can do some pretty decent mess ups, and all wheel drive will save you. Uh, with enough power, it'll 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 uh, you know fix it for you. Uh, so learning how to handle those cars that are a little bit more unstable, I think she's going to come out of it. You know, really really talented. Not that she's not talented now. She's she's killing it. She is a natural talent. Like you can't teach some of the stuff she's doing already. Like. I, I don't think I can name a driver who can jump into a two-wheel drive or, or to a rear-wheel drive car with as much power as that Subaru BRZ has and, and in her second event win the class against guys who have boatloads more experience than what she does. Yeah, I think, she, I think she's putting in the homework and putting in the time and, and just learning how to, to throw that car around and, and, and it's paying off, I mean. Just watching her, it looks it looks so smooth. Watching her go by, seeing seeing the videos of her, she's she's doing it right. Yeah, and and I I will always remember Jason Bailey saying this: once she's in an R or where once she's in a Rally Three car, he's screwed. I'm like, and then Oregon that that was before Oregon Trail, and then Oregon Trail happened. I'm like, buddy, you are already screwed. <laughs> yeah, she's already fast. Yeah, like. I mean, you watch what she's beating, and it's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of cars that she's just smoking in that two-wheel drive, so. Yeah, it, it, and then she'll hop into an R, and then next year she'll probably be in a Rally 3 car. I wouldn't even be surprised if she jumped into one this year, but I think that's a bit away. But, um, and she's just dominating, and it's like, and next year she's probably going to be in a Rally 3 car, like I said, and if she continues Rally and I'm scared to see what'll happen because I feel like she's going to be able to compete with Brandon in a slower car. I feel like she's going to have times close to him. Oh, I don't know. I mean, that, Brandon's another, is it, he's a talent as well. And he's got so much car behind him that, I mean, so the Concord one, uh, he was 30 seconds up on a second place car on both running on a five-mile stage. I mean, just mind-bogglingly quick. Yeah, so, and that, uh, that's the thing. I'm I'm just so, like... i seen Subaru, or Vermont Sports Car, uh, teased an image of their new, or their new uh, car, and I was like, you guys don't even really need a new car. You guys can just continue with what you have because I don't think anything can really beat this if anybody brings anything out. Like, McKenna is the only guy who has a car that can even compete with the Subaru right now. And he hasn't ran his car since 100 Acre. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and the rule, trying to bring that car back down to an RC2 level, I mean, that's going to be hard to reel in, right? I mean, they've got a lot, so much in that car, they would have to start over again. And maybe that's what they're doing. They're starting over again with a new car and a new chassis, and we don't we don't know, you know. They're, they're being super tight-lipped about it. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that they'll release it soon. I'm excited to see it, right? I mean, when they come out with a new car, it's always something cool. Um, so... I think it's going to be interesting, and I think it's going to be, you know, a, a beautiful build because that's what they do. I mean, look at the Huckster. The Huckster is also amazing. Um, but maybe maybe they're coming down to the RC2 level, um, trying to level out that playing field. It, it would be nice if Subaru started making a car that the rest of us could afford. That'd be cool. I mean, afford being a relative term because it'd still probably be a $200,000 car like, you know, all the other RC2 cars. Um, it would be cool to see more Subarus out there that are, you know, are competing at that, that bleeding edge of it that aren't a, a bespoke car, um, something that somebody else could buy. Yeah, and, and you know, being honest, I completely was expecting Subaru to debut with a new body at Goodwood. I, I yeah. was... Because I was sitting there, and because I have access to their media folder, and I was sitting there just watching consistently if they put in any new file for it. And I was like, I'm going to, like, because I know a few hours ahead of time because they would have to put media stuff into that unless they just yep. shared things with Dirtfish because I know that's what, who will probably get the news first. Um, but I was, and I was sitting there and I was like, are they going to post any pictures of it in here at all? And I was like, because they, I don't even think they have a file for the 2023 Goodwood up yet. And I was like, um, are they going to do anything here? Or are they just going to wait until, I guess, now the next event's Ojibwe, which is next month. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know why I was thinking that um, the next event was LSPR in September, October, November, something like that. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, I have the one in between. Yeah, but I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the local guys are, that's their next that's stop for, for our local team. Head out to LSPR. Yeah. That's, that's another one I want to do at some point, but that's like a 22 hour tow for me. You might be, like, I don't know the logistics of renting a car, and I don't know who would have a car able to rent up out there, but you could probably rent a car, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I spend so much time building my car. I love my cars, um, you know, and that's, that's part of the fun for me is building the car um, and knowing everything about it. Um, so, you know, I like to I, I like to travel with mine and, and you know, even if I decided to go out west, I would find a way to ship my car and my tools and all my service stuff out west. And what we'd probably do for that one is just we would have a year where the car lives on the west coast and we meet it when we, we do our events and then we ship it home. Um, we've talked about it, but, you know, I got to stop breaking cars first. I mean, what all you could probably do is just like I, I think Dave allows uh people to store cars at his ranch you could probably just store your car there it, it's still going to be a bit of a tow to get your car to events like um olympus but at least it's not 
an entirely across the country. Yeah. But yeah, that that's something for you <laughs> not me. So I, I'm lucky that's, that's I have that. Down the road right now. Yeah, we're we're probably not starting our rebuild right now until at least October. Um, just you know, too many other projects going on in life, and I spent too much time getting this car ready that I put off all the rest of the stuff, like a bunch of improvements on my house that need to get done while the weather's nice. So it's time to it's time to pay the piper on that one. Um, so we'll be we'll be out of the car for for a while. Um, while I rebuild, but I will. Yeah. Um, so what got you into rally originally? Uh, going way back, I think it has to be watching WRC on speed TV. But, uh, at that point in time, just going, wow, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen and going, well, it's all in Europe. So that's never going to happen for me. Um, and then finding out that uh, it was something that happened around here was, you know, eye-opening. Um, my twin brother, who unfortunately passed away uh, about 13 years ago, uh, he got involved in the in the New England Forest Rally for a few years before I even did. Um, and, you know, he started making connections. And then I was up at the University of Maine, and I met uh, Rob Sock Alexis. Uh, and his brother Nate, and they started taking me out on some dirt drives in the backwoods of Maine, and I learned to throw a car around, and I was like, this is fun. This is what I want to do. Um, but, you know, I was a broke college student at the time, so uh, eventually once I got out, I decided to sell all of my autocross toys, and we built the first car. Um, so the car George, uh, you know, the first GC that we had, um, that was a New England car that I found in Massachusetts with a broken transmission and, um, I'd read enough of the rule books and, and, you know, well, I know how to weld and I have a pipe bender and I built the cage for it and we built everything for that car ourselves. Um, and kind of did it as a labor of love because this was after my brother passed away and that's kind of where Lost in Maine comes from, um. His online uh, tag was always lost in Maine, and so we became lost in Maine racing in, in Eric's memory. Um, so the first car was built, you know, with the family just, you know, as a, hey, Eric always wanted to do this. We should just do this because it looks like a ton of fun and he would love it. Uh, and so now we just kind of race on in his memory and, and we're going faster and faster and have to keep building new cars, unfortunately, but... Uh, yeah, that's why we do it. We do it because we love it. And, you know, it reminds us of my, my brother and, and it gets our whole family together. It's, we're not, you know, this is a, a family team. It's, you know, my wife's involved. My parents are involved. Um, all of my friends are, are, are helping with the car periodically. You know, they don't always make it to events, but they come and help you wrench or at least sit there and drink beer and, and laugh at me while I work on the car. So. <laughs> It's always nice to hear, like, these, especially from teams like, you know, yours, you know, the teams that aren't, like, big or haven't been inherited by another person or whatever. It's always nice to hear the stories behind them and, and the cars behind them as well. 
Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, George uh, was named after George of the Jungle. Uh, you know, watch out for that tree. I always thought that was pretty funny, so I, I thought naming it George was a good name. <laughs> the, the last car was named Steed, the S-T-I-D, um, because I took an S-T-I and I threw an H6 motor in it, and I thought that was pretty funny, too. Um, so, uh, not sure what the next one's going to be named. Um, but we'll come up with something interesting. My family says I can't name any cars after any more guys because it seems to be bad luck. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I found this funny part yesterday. There, There is somebody in, in Britain who um, has the same name as you and also does <laughs> rally. Yeah, I, I was so confused when I seen that yesterday. I was like, I, I almost emailed you. I was like, are you the American Andrew Benson or are you the British Andrew Benson? Because you guys are both co-driven. You guys are both co-driven. You guys are both driven. And I'm like, uh-huh. Oh, that's interesting. Now I got to meet him. <laughs> it, it, it looks like he just does one-off events at a random... um. Uh, British events. Huh. So, yeah, because when I I was like, that is a weird story. You also co-drove, right? Or is this a I different did. Andrew Benson? <laughs> yeah, no, I co-drove. I uh, let's see. I was in. Uh, I, I rode with Rob Work at my first uh, New England Forest Rally, and we hit a tree and blew all the rear glass out of the car. Um, that was an interesting event. <laughs> Uh, you know, get that crash out of the way, right? First time, let's crash the car. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, then, uh, I rode with, uh, uh, Ryan Cupola from New York for, uh, quite a few events, uh, in the stud bug, um, that 2000, uh, naturally aspirated beetle. Um, and that was, that was a lot of fun. I had a, I had a great time riding around in that car and really, I, I, you know, I only got out of it because I wanted to drive. Um, so I, while I was riding with him was when I was building my car. Um, and I think that co-driving is great experience for a driver um, to know all that goes into that side of the car. You know, all the math and like the tracking and like what the notes look like. And, it, you know, it's great. Um, it, it helps. Right. So when Zach and I are in the car, we check the math off of each other um, just to make sure that we're we're always you know, arriving on the right minute and, you know, we, we all understand what, what the next step is. And I think that that's always, always helpful. Um, I have a bit of a photographic memory for directions though. Uh, so, uh, after we've done recce at a new place, I don't actually need transit directions anymore. I kind of remember them. So, uh, that gets to kind of like just chill most of the time when we're on we're on transit, except for to tell me uh, not to speed. <laughs> yeah, that that's not a great idea because uh, getting pulled over, getting a uh, penalty, isn't a uh, great idea in a rally. Uh, I, yeah, I don't no, know if you've no, ever no. heard that he, before. He's usually watching the he's watching the speedometer and trying to keep me from from creeping up over the the nanny yelling at us and getting us a penalty. So he's he's really. His attention to detail is fantastic, and having Zach in the car is, is great. He's really good at his at his job, and he, you know he's he's ridden around with a few of us regional guys, um, and 
you know, he's had some really good luck riding with DJ and riding with Dylan as well. You know, those guys are super, super fast. Um, and, you know, he learns things from them and then brings them back. And, and I learned from him riding with them as well. So it, we've all helped each other uh, just get faster. Um, so it's been a, it's been a great learning experience for all of us. So, so how did Zach become kind of your permanent co-driver besides, well, your co-driver besides the event in Canada that you did? Well, the only reason that he didn't go to Canada was actually he was having his first kid. Um, otherwise, he would have gone. Uh, baby, baby K was born uh, right about the time we left uh, for the event. So, um, so she's almost a year now. Uh, she's adorable. Uh, but uh, so that's the only reason that we needed KJ to step in for us is that we were we were already planning to go, um, but but his his kid was was coming, so um, we had KJ step in. Um, Zach was found. Uh, so uh, Maine's a small town. The entire state's a small town. Uh, we both work in uh, in engineering, and uh, I used to work for a company called Alier, who is now owned by a company called Abbott. Uh, and right after I left there to go to my current position. Uh, Zach got hired in there, and he was talking to some of the employees there, and they were like, uh, yo, you like Rally? Do you know Andrew Benson? Like, he really likes Rally, too. I think he's building a car. You should talk to him. And, like, we'd, we'd been at the same events. We just hadn't run into each other. Uh, he literally lives two towns over from me. Um, so it just worked out that, you know, he was interested in being a co-driver, and I was building a car. And it, it worked out that, you know, it got us both both on stage. Um, and it's, it's been a good partnership. Uh, like I said, he's really good at what he does. Um, and, you know, he's super helpful with, with handling all like the, the, the media stuff for me. Like when I just can't do it, like, you know, he'll, he, he's, uh, if you catch our, our Instagram posts early, there's usually some uh, bad spelling in there. He fixes them after I do it. Uh, and then he sends me messages going, what were you doing? Um, so uh, no, he, he's great and he's super helpful and we like having him around. Um, I feel bad that I, I killed the car for us this year and so we didn't get to compete, but like both of us were immediately just talking to the event organizers of like, hey, we want to help out. So both of us were, were ham operators for this event. Yeah. Um, so speaking of like, how did you get KJ into the car with you for that one-off Canada event? Uh, well, so I've been watching KJ for a while, um, you know, seeing him, him ride with all these different cars and like, um, you know, he was learning a lot of things. He was getting in some faster cars and I was like, and, and I just reached out to him. I was like, Hey, you want to come play in Canada with me? Um, you know, you, you seem like you, you like to have fun. We're just doing this for fun. Um, you know, and I think that you know what you're doing. You have the experience that I, I need for someone to just hop in and be able to, to do this with me. Uh, and he was like, was like, sure. Um, so we worked on getting him brought out here. Uh, my dad actually picked him up in Manchester because uh, I was hauling the big rig up to Canada. And so we grabbed him in my recce car and they came up. My dad drove him from Manchester, New Hampshire, up to, uh, to the Charlebois event. And then he dropped him off in Quebec on the way out and he flew out. Uh, so... Uh, no, it was a, that was a different experience. I think, you know, I never thought that I'd get to the point where I was flying a co-driver in, but, um, for the, you know, the person I needed at the time, you know, he was a really good fit and, uh, I really liked working with him. Uh, 
Uh, because of him, I went out and bought a monnet and I bought Recky uh, headsets and an amplifier because that's how he was doing it. And I enjoyed it so much. I was like, I need all this stuff. So yeah, uh, he got uh, rally build some more money. <laughs> so uh, so on the on a co driving uh, Yelp page, would you give KJ a five out of five review or what? Uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, five for five, but knowing what he's doing, uh, uh, one for five for the curse, though. <laughs> I, I I don't think KJ is ever going to outlive the uh, no, KJ it, curse saga. Right, well, that, and, and, and I was, uh, he, he couldn't hear it because, you know, I was at the spectator area, but I was checking on him as he went by in Phil's car this weekend. Like, yeah, you see that little gray bit above the dash? That's KJ's head. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I remember joking with him um, about because uh, I remember he they did a I think it was Tall Pines and he was in Phil's car and all and there was a picture posted on social media and all you could just see was a gray of his helmet. I was like, Phil, yeah, if you looked up, you like the visor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just remember joking with somebody. I was like, did Phil forget his co-driver or what? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like K- KJ just needs to get it like a bunch of books and just sit on them just so that he can you know see the road. I'm like, how do you actually see the road, dude? Well, that's the thing. It's co-driving. If you if you see the road, you're not doing your job. Well, I I I mean that's a that's a trust thing, right? So when when you start going, your head goes down and you read the notes and you can feel what's going on, but if you have to look up, then uh, something's not right. So for the most part, your head's down. Um, like if you if you see it's a spectator, you can look up to make sure you're on the right note. But I mean, I don't remember looking up for most of the stages. I didn't see for the couple of years I was I was co-driving. I, don't, I didn't see stages. Like you'd call, you know, triple caution, uh, you know, drop off outside, and I didn't know what it looked like. <laughs> I I. I... When I talk about co-driving, I just my brain just always goes back to that moment uh, last year at New England when Alex was just co-driving with Ken and just and just having to do hand pace notes. Like that is the funny, like that was the funniest moment to be just watching that. I was like, I I could not imagine either their pure frustration in that because oh yeah, I, 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 I don't know how it would fit. Like. And you'd have to have had a conversation about that at some point to be able to do it because you'd have to understand what you're saying. Um, so, yeah, I, no, I, I mean, it, it's another level once you, you get up there, right? It's a, it's a different game. I, I, I just remember I was like, and I was just watching it, and, I, and Alex is, and I just remember watching Alex just point all over the place, and it's like, I don't think Ken was understanding. I think Ken was just driving the car as he could, and, and somehow he did decently well. I, I, I mean, that, he kept it in the still, fight. <laughs> like if if that were me, I would have just been like, "We're either quitting or we're going so far out of the fight. There's no point in even trying to drive the car anymore. We're just going to drive for fun at this point." Yeah, yeah, no, that. I quickly settle into that. If I have, if I've lost communications with my co-driver, I'm probably just going to start driving line of sight, and you know, we're we're on a, a rather fast recce pace at that point. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all you can do at that point because it's like without without your co-driver, it, it's 
especially like in New England, because I know there's a lot of jumps and crests there, and it's like I I could that would just be that would be painful. <laughs> I mean, there were people that would love to go back to the to the you know old school where you just have your turns noted, right? Where it's not it's not full pace notes; it's just it's just your transit notes and. I don't know if I could do it. I think that would change the game too much for me. <laughs> I mean, it would lower the speeds, I guess, in a way, but you would probably also have more crashes because you would have guys who are saying, oh, yeah, I write six, and then it's like, you, you didn't tell me there was a jump there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. You, you would have a lot more Oliver Solberg uh, New Zealand moments with uh, just a car flying over a jump randomly. Yeah, but I've enjoyed watching Oliver this year. He's doing great too. I hope he comes back and runs with us someday. That's, that's he wants to. Run. Yeah, he wants to. <laughs> yeah, because I remember because um, he was the first guest on this podcast, and I remember talking to him about that. And I was like, "Is do you want to come back at some point?" And he was like, "Yeah, I, I do. I just I can't because you know." But yeah. He, he he's wants busy, to be he's busy guy. Yeah. He's very busy. Um, I I I don't know how he does what he does, but uh, yeah. But yeah, no, he's having plenty of fun doing doing donuts in front of the crowd, regardless of what people think for penalties. I, I remember. I, I I do you follow me on Instagram? I don't know. I think I do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you do. <laughs> I, I am followed by so many people on Instagram. I, I'm not followed by that many people. I'm like I'm followed by people, and I'm like I don't even remember you following me or what. All, all I all I remember is I'm followed by KJ Miller and Oliver Solberg. That is pretty much it. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. But no, like I. Because I was talking to him about the uh, RC, like the new regulations and stuff, and he was like, and because that was at the point where it was like, oh yeah, if a guy like Oliver Solberg came over to drive, he might be able to compete in an RC two car with um, Brandon, and and he was like, potentially, but yeah, I don't know. Like it's you aren't gonna find somebody in an RC two car compete who can compete with Brandon. At the level he currently drives, right? It would. It, the, I think an interesting fight would be a, a the Vermont Sports Car car versus uh, the Rally One car of the current generation. Because I, I don't know how to compare them to each other; they're completely different animals. Um, but it would be cool to watch. Well, and and that was something else I had asked him. I was like, because remember, um, Hundred Acre and Rally Mexico took place on the same weekend. I was like. If Rally Mexico was a week later, do you think WRC teams would have came to new to uh, Hundred Acre and would have done testing there? Because I I think that would have been a really fun thing if the ARA would have allowed it as well. Right, do like an exhibition class for the Rally One cars. Yeah, and then we could and and have them tied and then see where actually the Vermont sports car sits versus. Right, because it's always been that's the thing always in the back of people's minds is well, what? How does this thing compare to a to a full fledged WRC car? And we'll 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 never find out probably, but it would be interesting. 
I know this probably won't happen, but if there were uh, to be a WRC event in America, like there's rumored to be, I would love to see the FIA allow Vermont Sports Car to run a car at that event. Well, I, I would hope that they would do it like they did for Mexico's in the past, where there's a regional event running alongside the WRC event so that we can have all of our home-built cars there that don't fall under the FIA regulations. Um, so I'm, I'm hopeful for that because I would love to bring my car down to Tennessee and, and run the same roads as as all of the, the top-tier teams. Um, so I'm hopeful. And if that happens, yeah. then, yeah, we'll, we'll probably get to see Subaru running the same stages as the, the Toyotas and, and, and the Fords. And it's just, oh, my God, it'll be crazy. <laughs> that that would be pure and other chaos because, yeah. I, 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 I might... I might be sad that I was in the car to get the, the life experience to miss out on watching them compete with each other. So it, that would be a hard one to decide on. Because, although I do have WRC Plus, so I can go back and watch it later. But re-watching it's different. Like, I know for Kenya, because I do a bunch of coverage for the WRC on, on a site. But uh, I remember, because I, I would stay up until like 2 o'clock in the morning watching the first loop of Kenya like, to cover it. And I was like, Watching it when it's actually happening is completely different than rewatching it, in my opinion. Yeah, because um, and when I'm rewatching it, like sometimes I've already found out like the big surprises, right? Because somebody's already let go who crashed or or who won, or so you're just kind of watching it for the for the moment. So like you're you're not really paying attention. And yeah, I'll say like if I watch them live, they are definitely more entertaining. Yeah, and I and I remember like and I remember sitting there with my phone out and I was just watching split times come in and I was like, who actually sits above who and all this sort of stuff. And I was like, it's a whole lot of fun. And it's stuff I used to do when I fully like pretty much full-time covered DIRA was sit and just watch as times come in. It was like, I remember last year, I think it was Ojibwe or STPR just sitting there and watching Ken and Brandon fight and, it was it was fun to watch because you never knew who was going to win it, and it, it constantly changed between stages, pretty much. So, yeah, no, I, I like watching some of those back runner runner fights. Um, you know, when they're pulling seconds on each other back and forth, and yeah, and the, the fight at the front it, it has been good in the past few years. Um, I don't really think we have it this year, but. I think there's been a lot of excitement further down the field. So, I I made this point. And I think it was with Rhiannon um, about this year with Brandon being pretty much the only top guy. It's kind of shed light to bring other names into the spotlight. Like I think if Ken and Brandon were fighting again for the title this year, yes, Leah would get some attention, but I don't think she would get necessarily as much as she's gone yeah yeah i think that with only one real open class car you know fighting at most of these events it's it made it it's made it uh a little easier to focus on other people although i guess uh sam albert's car up there competing with them was was ridiculous too <laughs> i guess if you want to complete compete with the vermont sports car you have to put a ferrari in your subaru Yes, because that's the message Ray wants to send. <laughs> yeah, that's what they want. They want a bunch of Ferrari-powered Subarus competing next year. 
Could you just imagine if somebody like? Could you just imagine if at every event there was somebody with a Ferrari powered Subaru, there was somebody with a like a LS powered Subaru, like just every type of engine in a Subaru. Oh, oh that that will be. be I guess well, if we have the the LS powered Bonic, right? Yeah, and and then we have um, and then you know we have Dave's um. LS or uh, Corvette engined um, Chevy Colorado. Yep. <laughs> there, there are a few interesting builds out there. I, I remember making the joke on Facebook about like, so we have a so we have a Chevy truck with a with a uh, different engine in it with a high horsepower engine in it. We have a Chevy car with or a hatchback with a high horsepower engine in it and different engine. Um, so who's going to do the SUV next? <laughs> oh, I mean, what the only SUV we've had running recently is the Honda. Um, that thing is sick. <laughs> it is. I mean, and uh, that well, the, we have the old uh, the Rav Four that uh, Millen's built um, that Striker owns, and he competes in. He's done a couple of NASA events with that thing. Um, that thing's still fast too. Uh, and yeah. then we have. The other Rav Four. I don't know if that was the one you were just talking about, but the uh, one that I don't even know how to pronounce his name runs, but it it's run on the West Coast normally. Um, uh, that, that might be. So I know that the one that 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 uh, Striker has now was a West Coast car. So maybe it's transferred, or maybe there is a second one. Um, but yeah, I know there's a couple of SUVs out there, and and they're not slow, which is kind of upsetting to me. I, I know. I remember covering. I I think it was Oregon Trail last year. And I and I was sitting there. And I was like, and I was looking through the timesheets. And I was like, how in the world is a Toyota Rav Four like fifth overall on some stages? And I was like, what? What steroids is that car on? <laughs> I mean, I guess Wait. it proves that you know suspension is the the most important thing that you can put in your car after safety. No, I mean there's not there's nothing really terribly special about uh, about Strikers Rav Four other than it's on really really good suspension, um, and that helps it out a ton. So I think that you know you put money into power, but if you can't hold that power to the ground, then what's the point? So pretty much, and it's like it, some of the builds you see come to ARA events just surprise me like i know there's the mustang that somebody has built uh lost oh, chance builder sports cool. or whatever oh that that thing sounded amazing um and his parents were actually on the bus with me uh so i did have some some brief conversations with them and they were they were excited for him to be out on stage and that, that car looked great it sounds amazing and then there's the uh old Chevy or the old Camaro that somebody has built as well. I know that one exists somewhere still. Oh, and you have Tim's AMX uh, that yeah. he's been carting all over the country. I, awesome car. I really want to see that thing do well because that like I'm surprised it isn't doing well but then I'm like and then I remember I'm like that thing is built off of a 80s or an 80 muscle car and it's like that, that yeah, it thing probably like drives like a boat 
I think he drives it great. I think he's just been plagued by just a couple small problems over and over again that just, you know, he, he gets one thing sorted out and then something else pops up. But that's the nature of a, of a you know, custom builds because Tim himself has said it in the past that you should pick a car that, you know, everybody has. It's easy to find parts for. And then he goes and builds that AMX. He's, um, you know, so it's a, it, that's a love project. And so you, you know you're going to have opportunities with it and, and it's just come up. It's just had its gremlins, and I think it's finally getting it sorted and looking really good. And that car is, it is just so fun to watch. Yeah, and it's like, it's like it. I think he drives it to the best that he can, considering, like I said, it's pretty much a boat on wheels. Um, <laughs> so that thing is not your buddy for uh, technical stages. <laughs> No, I, I wouldn't want to. I would want to wiggle that through some of the tighter stuff, but uh, you know, he's he's having a ball, I guess, doing it. So it, it, it's just the fun of it all. It's like at at that point, you aren't really there to compete necessarily. It's just to have fun, like especially on the technical stuff. It's like I I can't drive the car like you know an R five car through that. It, it's a boat on wheels, but you know. I I can have fun and I can put on a show. Yep. Yeah. Like, um, what other weird cars are there? Because I know there's a bunch. I know in um, uh, the different the S or I'm forgetting rally or I'm forgetting. I've seen a lot of protos recently. I mean, I've seen a lot of proto builds, but I haven't seen any of them really show up at our event. Um, I know in the uh, other rally championship in America that I'm completely blanking the name of. Um, there's somebody who has like it, it's it's a little buggy and it it's so weird, but it's so fast and it's like uh, I think it's a Mexican guy. I can't remember them. Yeah, I know the buggy you're talking about. Yeah, it, it's like a it, it's like a rail. Um, but it's a two-seater rail for rally, yep. Yeah, and he runs it at pretty much all the, or as far as I'm aware, pretty much most of the events there, but eh. Yeah, the uh, USRF group. Yep. I I remember when Preston was on here, and we were just saying they're joking about like me, like building an R or an LS swapped um, Volkswagen Beetle, like a '60s Volkswagen Beetle, <laughs> and the logistics of that. Oh, I been... over. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the day later, somebody on Facebook tagged me in a post with a a, a V8 swapped Volkswagen Beetle, and I was like, "Oh my god, here we go!" Yeah, if you if you thought of it, somebody's probably already done it. I, I was like, here we go. Preston's going to have a fun time with that. Trying to just figure out the logistics of it. Because I think the engine would weigh more than the car itself. But, you know. We had a uh, a 1960s uh, Formula V for a while before I, I made the jump into Rally. And, I mean, that's a, that's a Beetle drive axle and front axle and a tube chassis in between that thing was a riot. I I would love to see somebody build a rally beetle. 
to be honest. Like, I would love to see you. Old school, old school rally beetle. Yeah. <laughs> I I feel like it would just be funny. I I don't know, man. Like, it it would be fun. I I would also would, love to see an cool. old Porsche. Um, there was one running in Canada. I I forget who ran that, but yeah, I know there was and. Like the Porsches I'm talking about are the ones that pretty much run at the uh, Eastern Classic Safari Rally, the one that uh, Tough Hill builds and Ken ran last year and was probably going to run again this year. Yep. I think I saw yeah. pictures of that car at uh, the Goodwood this yeah, year. Yeah, it was there. Yep. It was there, and then somebody had rebuilt uh, one of Ken's old WRC cars as well and brought it there. And then there was the Hoonitron, uh, which. Uh, had a lot of social media hellfire because it's electric. It yeah. sounds like a vacuum cleaner. It's a very angry vacuum cleaner, so I'll I'll let it go. <laughs> that's, a, that's a vacuum cleaner of death. You, you do not want to get in front of that thing. No, uh, that car is incredibly powerful. Like, oh, I I bet it's an absolute riot. I. I, I honestly, I don't know if this is true, but I feel like that thing was harder to drive than the Hoonicorn probably is to drive. Probably, because the, the power is instantaneous with electric motors. So, like, it, it, you just, if you want to rotate tires, they're spinning. Like, it, yeah. I mean, I think that if we don't accept that electric cars are going to come into our sport at some point in time, then you're, you're being ridiculous, right? Electric, at some point, is going to be part of rally. Um, I actually think the hybrids are, are great for the sport. Um, you know, testing the waters, figuring how to make this work. So, well, and I think the WRC has done it the right way, going hybrid instead of full electric, in a way. Because yeah. then it, it it pleases fans who like the noise, but it also allows drivers to use electric and not be fully, you know, limited the- to just electric. When the new when the new Rally One spec cars came out, I did tell a bunch of people. I said the new car sounds like the love child of a F one car and a popcorn maker. <laughs> <laughs> it just I don't know. It's just the way that the overrun on those cars works now. And that's what they sound like. They just scream, and then there's just all kinds of popping. They they sound so weird. Like I remember. I don't think last year I heard um, the Puma, like the way the Puma sounds. And then this year I heard it and I'm like, what the hell am I listening to? <laughs> like, it sounds like the vacuum cleaner of death pretty much at times. And I'm like, what the, okay, that is the weirdest sounding thing ever, but I kind of like it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I would not say no to driving one. Uh, it will never happen, but I would not say no. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, uh, I could not imagine. I I feel like Brandon would do really well in one of those, and it probably wouldn't be much of a step up from that Subaru. But yeah, it'll never happen. We I think we all know that'll never happen. I mean, uh, I mean, so Oliver's a good comparison there. Um, right? Oliver drove basically the same spec Subaru that Brandon's in now. So, and Oliver did get in the in a Rally One car for a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think there is some comparison there. He was he was at least you know 
fighting with the guys in the in the rally one car. So I think he would do pretty good. I think Oliver has the potential to do really well in the WRC, and I've been really high on him his entire time last year. But uh, I I think he could do really well. It's just he's got to learn the roads better and get used to the car again. He had a really rough time last year with that Hyundai. And to to be fair to him, the Hyundai isn't a fun car to drive from what I've been told. It is very much like driving a Corian. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think watching WRC, I spend more time watching the WRC 2 stuff and paying attention to the WRC1 stuff lately just because I love watching the fight that's going on between that group and watching Oliver come through and just set blistering times in that car. All, like, Oliver is one hell of a driver. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can deny that from him. It's like he's got the skill. Like, he's pushing that Skoda to the absolute limit at times. And it's like... It's it's incredible. I would love to see him back in a WR era rally one car. I'd love to year, see them bring his. Uh, I'd love to see him bring his rally two car over to compete. You know, here for an event or two. That'd be hilarious. Like the one that they had in Mexico. If they just shipped it up and ran an event here, oh, that'd be amazing. I don't think he's running Chile. Yeah, he's not running Chile as far as I'm aware, unless something yeah. comes up between now and then. But because I was going to say maybe he could run a rally event in america then but i don't even think there's a rally event going on at that time or near that time in america but yeah that would be that would have been cool to see him come up back again or even to see him drive um because i think subaru is going to debut the i feel like they're going to debut the new chassis at ojibwe and i feel like travis astrona is going to return at ojibwe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would be fun. We were we were we were taking bets on if he would just surprise entry for Nefer, but it didn't happen. I he I think he wanted to, but I, you know, Goodwood was also that event or that weekend. Yep. So yeah, he had to be there. Yeah, yep. I but, think uh, I think he needs, he needs a revenge on the on that uh, corner on Morton cutoff. So. I feel like he's just going to surprise. Like, I feel like the ARA is going to know of his entry much before it's actually posted. Yeah. So I don't feel like they're going to post that until like the couple days before and then have it kind of be like this thing where it's like, is Travis at the event? Like, why is Travis in Ojibwe? <laughs> they'll, they'll just announce the provisional start order and then we're like, wait a second. <laughs> wait a second. Why is there a 199 car on this entry list? What? You know what I would love to see him do is if they debut the new platform at Ojibwe, have Brandon drive that platform and then have Travis drive the the current platform with a Kim Block tribute livery. That that would be cool too. I feel like that's what they'll end up doing. <laughs> I I oddly feel like that's what they're gonna end up doing. And I feel like it's going to be sick. Because, yeah, you know, no, I, I, yeah. to be honest, I'm really surprised Siru hasn't done a full Ken Block tribute livery. Yeah, maybe maybe they are waiting for something. 
I think I think I, since the family we're all doing we're all doing tribute liveries, you know, let them have that as well. So. Yeah, because there's been a lot of tributes for Ken this year. I know somebody yeah. at a uh, New England ran a Ken Block livery. I'm pretty sure a tribute one for him. But uh, oh yeah, the guy that did the wrap on my car before we rolled it um, actually had his car wrapped up in the the splatter uh, DC shoes uh, livery. While he was there. Yeah, so there's people doing the tributes, and it's nice to see. Um, I know I remember um, after or during Pikes Peak seeing a TikTok post of Leah and um, Lahuna Pegasus, and somebody was just ripping it because it was like, she if Ken had never passed away, we wouldn't even be noticing Leah and yada yada yada. I'm like. Dude. Uh, no, I think because she was already on her way up, right? She was competing in the R2 last year um, when Lucy stepped up to the R3. So I think that there was already a planned progression for her. I think I think we would be seeing her anyways. Um, I think it might have changed their plans a little bit and they needed to readjust on, on what was important to them. But I think rally was still important to them and and I'm really glad that they're there and that they decided that, that rally and the North American community was you know was something that they wanted to support so i'm i'm really glad that they're there and the the 43i stuff that they're doing is just above and beyond right helping out those people that that push for the ink care uh it's it's just great you know because they could have they could have just said you know what um it's dangerous and and we've lost you know we lost ken and we're not gonna gonna keep going but they said you know, Ken would have wanted us to race, I guess, is, is what they came to. And I'm glad that they did because um, it's glad, I'm glad to see them out there. I mean, Lucy be, used to be a back-of-the-pack runner with Beth. Uh, she was the car right behind us at a, an effort a few years ago. And we used to talk about week surfing with her because, you know, that's what they were going to go back home and do once the event was over. <laughs> yeah, and, and like talking with three, I've, I learned like I already knew they were had planned to go to um snowdrift with Ken and yada yada before that all happened and then but pretty much after Ken had passed they kind of just said do we continue rally to honor Ken and they said yes that's pretty much why they're continuing to do this this year because they already yeah. had everything set up for the uh you know Rhiannon and their um co-drive seat and the car set up and all that sort of stuff it was just the plan had changed from debuting all that stuff at um, Snowdrift to instead at a hundred acre, which is what had happened. But you know, because because the plan with this year was to have Ken in a R five car competing with against Brandon, and that didn't happen. Yeah. But yeah, no, and then. Like Leah, I don't know what's going to happen past this year from talking with three. Um, she has interest in doing circuit racing. She has interest in circuit racing. And now she's entered in Extreme Me for the rest of the year. I think she's in Nitro Cross as well for the rest of the season. So she has options. Yep. She, she has options. So. It's definitely going to be fun, and they already have the Rally 3 car. I just don't know if Lucy would step out of the Rally 3 car or if 
they would get another rally three car or what would happen there. But yeah, I think that would be a good progression for her to see her in that car would be great and just see what she does with that that setup. Well, like I said earlier, I could see her in a rally three car by the end of the season if she can get the um open two wheel drive championship clinched, but I right, think then she's maybe one event in the end. Yeah. Or I even do, do like a regional event in the rally three car just to see if she likes it and if that's what she wants to do in her progression or if it's I don't really like it and I want to go do circuit racing or try circuit racing or go full time into um a different thing. I don't know. No, it'll be interesting to see where she goes from here because um, she, she's talented and she has options. She's driving all these different cars now. So. Well, and I was talking with a photographer the other, like a week ago, and I was like, she's getting the opportunities and she's getting experience in a four-wheel drive car as well, which is good for her, right? Like, So, yeah, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens after this year but 